Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Shalila, and you're listening to Are You Still Watching? A podcast about movies, hosted by the lovely Eric, born to host podcasts, and Shalila, the wild card. Let's say wild card. I like it. Lovely. What is Birds of Prey if not a wild card? Uh, yeah, it really is. So, uh, as Shalila just mentioned, that is the uh, topic for today, is Birds of Prey, which we are, uh, I guess not late on, it's in its, what is this now? It's not its second weekend, it's its third weekend, third? I think? I think it's third. I think so, yeah. Um, but it's still, like, very much in the news, I suppose, or still very much on Twitter, is really what I mean by yeah. that. Um, because it has been, uh, well... First, it's just a superhero movie, so it's already going to be talked about nonstop, uh, talked about to death, really. And B, there's all these fun, uh, with quotes around the word fun, narratives uh, involving mm-hmm. how much money it's made and success and all kinds of things. So, uh, yeah, that's what we're going to be covering today. Uh, so I saw this movie uh, the Sunday that it came out, uh, which I believe was uh, two Sundays ago, I think. Um, when did you see it? I saw it two days ago. Yeah. And did it come out, wait, did it come out the same day or did it come out like recently for you? I, I think it probably came out the same day to be honest. I would love to use that as an excuse, but I think it's just, I think it was the same thing. Or it, it's, it's been it. at least a week or so that I've had the opportunity to watch this. Got it. Okay, well, that is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about Birds of Prey today. Uh, We're just going to kind of cover our reactions and talk a little about, or at least I'd like to talk a little bit about sort of the the discussion surrounding the movie. Um, And I think we both have things that we would like to nerd out about in relation to this movie. Oh, Um, for sure. There is a lot of excellent costuming and all kinds of great things to talk about. Uh, And then we have a couple of little games. So you want to get us started Let's start with this. I really like this movie. I think it's a really fun movie. I deeply enjoyed watching it. Um, had a very fun time and definitely left with a good sense of adrenaline. I was definitely I was like jacked up on girl power by the end, which is good. Like not like fake girl power, but just like slowly building authentic feeling girl power, which is nice. I like when I leave a movie with that. It's like a, it's a rare feeling. Um, I feel like my, my, my prevailing thought is just like, if someone attempted to do that, you know, that girl power scene in Endgame, like that little, little squad up scene, but like, like actually attempted to execute it with more than like a cursory thought. I feel like it's, I feel like it's that. It happened. It was a fun movie. What about you? Yeah. Uh, I think I had the exact same feeling, except I guess Sans uh like it this movie has no intention or desire to represent me on screen and nor should it so uh i guess like i didn't leave with a feeling of girl power because i just don't have that feeling um but it was uh i will say in uh i think along those same lines um this movie felt more um What's a good word I'm trying to say here? It felt less indulgent of that same thing. I, I'm relating it to the same scene you just discussed in Endgame. Mm-hmm. So for those who haven't seen the most watched movie of all time, um, there is the scene in the very end of Endgame when it basically every, uh, I mean, at least appeared in more than one movie, I guess is how I would put it, uh, uh, woman superhero of the Marvel Universe um, all showed up at the same time and they were 
they sort of had this, I don't know, 15 second, 20 second, 30 second bit of, uh, of fighting Thanos together. And that moment got some positives. It got some negatives. Some people liked it. Some people didn't like it. Uh, questions of like corporate fakeness, sort of like um, what I, uh, there's a fantastic YouTuber um, who describes it as uh, like hashtag girl boss feminism, um, mm-hmm. which is not real. It's just basically a corporatizing of, of that idea in order to sell shirts that say girl boss. Um, right. And I don't know if I really have a horse in that race per se. Um, I enjoyed that moment as a fan of the characters, but I think it also had a little bit of an emptiness to me where I was like, oh, well, that's a, like, we're 23 movies in. It's a nice time for that. Um, (laughs) This movie feels like the antithesis of that. Um, Just in its very bones and DNA, it is uh, organic. Uh, It feels like uh, a collection of organically put together individuals and the the, uh, sort of messages and the feelings that it is that it is pushing, that it is stating in this movie are are organic. And yes. I think there's an argument to be made that it is not, I mean, it's still by Warner Brothers, so of course it is still meant to sell things. But mm-hmm. frankly, the entire film compared to that one scene in Endgame feels far less marketable in a sense. Like oh, it's sure. not friendly to marketing. Um and it's R rating alone is a good is a good indicator of that. So, um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to echo your feelings on that. Of it definitely felt authentic overall. Though I would say my my largest feeling was just uh, fun. Like it is legitimately fun, um, in a kind of like dark way. In a way that's like hard sometimes. It's still so much fun to just oh, watch. Absolutely. Like every single bit of that movie is enjoyable, and. I don't necessarily think that translates it to being great. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can talk about that a little bit later if you'd like. But, like, there's a lot of issues with this movie. Uh, It has a lot of uh, – it it just needed a little bit of work, I think. It was – I don't know if it was rushed. I don't know if it was the budget. I don't know if it was the writing. I don't know if it was the editing, really. But there, it needed some work. But the product itself is just pure, absolute – joy to watch and that often is enough for me yeah i'm on the same page it was a lot lot of fun it's nice i don't know actually this is an interesting point where you were talking about like the you know the the commercialized girl power scenes i often like sit and think about you know as a woman that i should probably have a well thought out you know good take on what i think makes a scene like that that I like or a movie like that or a scene like that that's, that I think is bad. I just think it's like probably as about as simple as does it feel like those people in that context in a vacuum would genuinely be like giddy with joy to team up or, you know, just excited about that moment as right. opposed to very excited about what is generally happening right now and physically positioned next to each other. I think that's, like, right. the difference between... Like, I wasn't, like, mad about that endgame scene. I don't know. Everyone was like, oh, my God. I feel like I read definitely some 
takes on Twitter and things like that that were like, oh my god, that's just it was so fake. And I definitely, I mean, I cheered in the theater. Yeah, there was a lot. I was like, woo, it was fun. Um, Yeah, yeah, people like this is like disaster. It was disgraceful. I didn't like instantly have an anger reaction to it. I mean, in retrospect, it's definitely soured a little bit in my memory, partly because of Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, and partly because yeah, I mean, it was a little more exhilarating in person to watch that whole spectacle than it has you know aged. But like, I was mad. but I definitely, even then, you weren't like, this is awesome. Like, this is, like, the culmination of how all these women have been uplifting. Like, they haven't. They've been there. Um, but in Birds of Prey, you were like, yep, this is really fun. Like, all of them are doing their yeah. thing, and I like the way that they bounce off each other. Like, it felt just more real. I think the the way that I have tried to, like, start thinking about it, or the the... the the sort of paradigm that helps me grasp it the best is does it feel self-congratulatory like is the reason that it is there because the company behind this artistic product wants to say look we did it uh i mean i think a great example of that is also an endgame is that scene with the uh survivors group or whatever and one of the russo brothers is playing a gay man for approximately 10 seconds. And you know that because he says, I went on a date with a man. Mm -hmm. And then Marvel, I mean, like they, they, they put it in the press. Like they, they basically set out there like, Hey, we are introducing a first gay character and they were so proud of it. And then that's what it was. And that (laughs) to me is very, that falls under that same branch of like (laughs) the rise of Skywalker. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's self congratulatory. And, when you're doing it like that, to me, it means it's not authentic and it means that it's meant to sell tickets. It's meant to get me into the theater. Birds of Prey, to me, didn't see, feel like it. I, I don't really know why, but it didn't feel self-congratulatory. It felt organic. It just felt it felt celebratory, not self-congratulatory. Okay. Well, so, so imagine that you're um, not somebody who knows anything about you know studios and the profit machines behind this stuff and you literally Mm -hmm. just go for these movies in a vacuum which i mean very nice and joyful life that obviously a lot of people lead um yeah what a fantasy what a way to what a way to put that um i meant to turn that around on us which you know we're the weird ones here but like okay so imagine you go into a movie you okay you've gone into endgame you've gone to birds of prey you don't literally know or care about all of the stuff behind this you've literally just seen them as movies basically does this studio metric still matter to you if you don't know anything about studios this sort of marketable metric yeah i i think i actually have a roundabout way of answering your question Mm -hmm. um and this is why to your point when I saw Endgame, my my immediate reaction wasn't like anger or anything. It was more just like joyful. The, that scene, even if it may be marketing or, or what I feel is self-congratulatory, to me it still at the time just felt kind of joyful. And I think the reason for that is I don't know whether or not as an adult person, if you sit down and you watch that and you think, oh, this is just sort of to sell. It's not like... Even not knowing the companies, if you still feel like there's some kind of corporatism to it. Mm-hmm. But when I was watching Endgame for the first time in theaters, and the reason that scene, it, it actually was, uh, it elicited an emotion in me, um, for sure. Like, I got mm-hmm. swept up in it, is because my, I have two, uh, uh, well, I have four younger sisters, but I have two that are, are much younger. Um, one who is currently uh, 
12, I think, uh, and the other one who is uh, uh, 15, almost 16. Um, and they are, are big Marvel fans, of course, because everyone in the world is to a degree, and they have never lived in a world without it, essentially. And they're um, sisters. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, it's just sort of a, you know, we all talk about it, and it's a family thing. You go see movies, you talk about them after, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And what I remember thinking and sort of feeling during that moment was, that I'm not sure if it matters if I think of it that way or if I feel it that way as an adult because I'm not sure that they would. Uh, and and for and I remember asking my youngest sister later about that and she was so exhilarated by that scene. She thought it was really amazing. Like she was so, you know, like just sort of wide-eyed at seeing so many people that look like her that she has dressed up as or that she likes all being together on the screen in the same moment and that meant something to her and that's sort of my answer is you know people argue one way or the other about these being movies for children and i think birds of prey is actually an exception uh ironically we're sort of not talking about that right this very moment but i think um whether or not they're for kids is 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 sort of irrelevant to the to a base point which is that the way they are sold and who they are most meaningful to, I think, are are kids. Even yeah, if that's yeah. even if you want to argue whether or not they are for them, I think it is most meaningful for them. And for that reason, I think I'm actually going to sort of uh, uh, well, maybe not side with you since you're sort of presenting a counterpoint. But um, I guess I'm going to posit that maybe it doesn't matter. Uh, maybe it matters to have better forms of that on screen for sure, but. Um, maybe it doesn't matter whether or not I feel it or if another adult feels it because if it's having that effect, if it can have that effect as it currently is, it doesn't mean we can't wish for better, but it also doesn't mean that it's the worst thing. Now, like I said, Birds of Prey is kind of a, Birds of Prey is kind of a, an exception there because of its, uh, hard R rating. So, <laughs> Birds of Prey is, is another avenue. I, I didn't know it was rated R until maybe the day before I went and saw it, which I don't know how that just like escaped my brain. Like, I mean, I am a little bit obsessed with these things, as you know, so I'm paying Mm -hmm. pretty close attention to a lot of them all of the time. And that is so shocking to me that I just wasn't aware of that. And I kind of wonder if that was intentional. Were they purposely being a little bit quiet about it? Yeah. I genuinely, I mean, also there's like a whole conversation to be had here that we probably should about just people not knowing this is a Harley Quinn movie and then them having to change the name to Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey uh, yeah. on like all the apps. I Like I've definitely noticed that on all of them. Um, yeah. Which is so interesting. What a, like, were, was there like an, like a deliberate attempt to frame this differently than it is? Was there like an attempt to make this seem less Deadpool-y? I don't know what else to say about it. I don't know either. And I... So I guess for those who don't know what we're talking about right now, it, the the full title of this film is Birds of Prey and the fan, I think it's the Birds of Prey actually and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Just a fantastic title, I'll say that. Which is a fantastic title. I completely agree. Now, I do think that it is a little bit astounding that this is a, a it is a mid budget, but it is still one of DC and thereby Warner Brothers bigger franchises as in like 
just under the DC umbrella. And Harley Quinn is a pretty significant um, merchandise force at this point um, and, and is a, a pretty popular figure in the comics and in the, the even like kids culture. She's in the, the DC superheroes cartoon. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Pretty it's just very popular. Yeah. And it is kind of astounding to me that nobody's marketing team thought, hey, there's a character limit on things. Mm-hmm. And her name shows up at the end of that character limit. And that is a little bit interesting. I love the title. I really do. I don't think they should change the title. And they haven't, to be clear. But it does seem like one of those things where right out of the gate, shouldn't it have been called Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey on the the movie apps? Like, right. It seems, that I mean, shouldn't it have seems been something have that had to change. a different, change. shorter title. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not unheard of. Like, I know they've done that before. So just do that keep the keep the interesting title because frankly i it, it gives it so much personality and i honestly i will go to bat that i think it is one of the better titles of like a large budget film i've seen in a long time like oh, for sure. in other words if i'm going to put this up against some some sort of marvel titles and before half of the internet comes for me i'm a big fan of marvel and dc so this is not like a i hate marvel thing um can confirm the title birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn makes me so much more excited to see that movie oh, than the title yeah. Avengers Age of Ultron. <laughs> it's just not, it's not, it, it's meaningless. Like, I know what it is as a fan, and I might be excited as a fan, but as a person who is excited about tone and artistic choices and the way that you sell a movie and the way that, as a, as a, as a function of how you sell it, how you title it, the Birds of Prey title is so much more interesting. Uh, it's just a lot more fun. There's more personality to it. So I feel like even Marty would be with it. He'd be like, "Hey, you, you gave it a shot." Like <laughs> closer to cinema yeah. now. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, but so I, that that is one point. I think it has a great title, but I also think it was horribly mismarketed. Oh, I don't for know why. Sure. And I don't blame people who, if they hadn't seen the trailers or anything, if you're looking at the 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 you know if you're scrolling through the AMC app or whatever, no free ads. Um, and it just says birds of prey and the fantab who, yeah, the I fantab. mean, is it a movie about Eagles? I, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of falconry myself, but I'm not going to go see a two hour Birdman movie about it. So sequel. yeah, Birdman the sequel. So no, I agree. It's, this was a strange, it was a very strangely marketed movie. Um, I think it's weird that it came out around Valentine's day and there wasn't like a Valentine's day push for it. Yeah. Like why not? Why not release it on Valentine's Day? I mean, you could. I mean, it's so easy. I mean, the the, the lowest hanging fruit is be like, are you a single woman? Be independent. Yes, watch this movie. Because the whole point is she breaks up know, with the Joker. Woman movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the yes, the marketing line sells itself. The Joker dumps Harley Quinn. That's the entire point of the movie, and they released it two weeks before Valentine's Day, if memory serves. And didn't lean into that, at least not in the marketing that I saw. And they didn't that's lean into just anything. weird. It seems like it was under-marketed. Yeah. And that, I think, has contributed to something that we, we talked about a little bit or we sort of hinted at, which is that there's this narrative right now that the movie has underperformed, mm-hmm. um, which is foolish. Uh, it hasn't. No. It has underperformed next to larger, more well-known titles that cost much more money. Right. But... 
by underperform they just mean made less money in absolute value which is not how movies are judged or are <laughs> absolutely made absolutely not it is about relation to the budget and how you know how marketable this is and going expectations to be and as well. like that. which by the way like yes. not like it was far from expectations it's fine no and and right now if i'm not mistaken the last count i saw is that it's at 180 million world i think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and I, it's just sort of foolish like why why would that be a bad th- like again yeah it didn't make as much money as suicide squad which was a far more marketed movie before basically the snyder break from dc and included characters that were put on screen that were more known and also didn't come out in february and i don't know it's just uh, i mean i don't think it's an illusion as to why this is because there is still a constant route for w- movies made by women, especially, but also featuring ensembles of women to fail. Mm-hmm. This reminds me a lot of the Ocean's 8 conversations that were coming out around then, too. Um, but it's I, it's just it like basic logic undoes it. Like, it's not like you have to dig at all. You're, it's not hard to see that that's not true. Yeah, not at all. It's silly. I mean, of all the... I'm not, I'm not going to even dignify any of the, like, silly internet conversation about how it's a whatever, whatever, don't watch it, you know, Harley Quinn isn't sexy kind of conversation. Um, but beyond that, I thought it was, like, especially silly for the conversation to go into, oh, it's flopped because, um, actually, the number that it has made, and when you put it next to, like, wow, like, really... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> especially silly. <laughs> Did you see the one, um, I think it was Variety, where they had the two different headlines about it was the exact yes, same number. Like just so it physically was, next it was to each 1917, other. I think. Yeah. And they were yeah. like, 1917 makes 33 yeah. million. Uh-huh. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Birds of Prey makes 33 million. Disappointment. Disappointments in its opening week. Yeah, and their their budgets were 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 different. As in, like Birds of Prey budget was lower. So yeah. again, it was like, wait, what? Like, so how, what are you talking it was about? Objectively done better. Like it's very. I, mean, right. I was like, I don't like this. Is genuinely just strange. <laughs> Um, Very yeah. strange. I mean, there's, I mean, to be fair, it's like it's never going to be hard if you if if that's the point that you are desperate to make. Like, if you want to go on Twitter.com and say this movie is flop, like there's twelve ways for you to find you know some silly argument oh, and yeah. be like, actually, compared to what DC was forecasting for its third phase, and if you add all of them and average them by three, and then this movie, it's like sure, but like also it didn't yeah. at all. So that's yeah, like yeah. it really falls apart. Okay, so let's talk about something more positive then, yeah. since this has been about. I said how I was like, like I'm not going to even dignify this conversation. <laughs> then I was like five minutes about the trolls yep. on Twitter. So yes, the, well, anything uh, else? Yeah, about the movie? let's let's talk about the positives then. So tell us what like what did you enjoy most about it? Um, I don't know what your connection is to this character or to to like this franchise at all. And by franchise, I mean like the Birds of Prey, that title, any of these characters, anything like that. Right. But I'm actually gonna just, say yeah, know, what I what I know about it because what, it's what very little. Think? Mostly because I actually want to hear what you know. About. I know that you're like sure. you know genuine to to a very solid degree comic book fan. You you know stuff about mythos and all of this you know general stuff. So yeah, I knew very little about this. I I I did feel while watching Suicide Squad that like Harley Quinn was obviously pretty disastrously used as like the joker's woman um and there was nothing not disastrous about that movie obviously but um it was you know pretty sad just because um i think big comic book movie comes out we're all looking for cool character to emulate she is the cool new fun character from this movie 
also I guess the only like woman choice I don't was there anything else like Cara Delevingne I don't know um and then everybody had to dress up as her for Halloween it was just like the worst possible like woman we could have had but I also knew that there was like potential I mean mostly because I thought that Margot Robbie even in that horrible movie did a great job so my connection was just hey I think that she should have another shot at this and I'm very glad that this was that like I'm I feel very happy about this movie being her solo like you know introduction to the world so to sum this up I liked her a lot as a concept in Suicide Squad and was very sad about how she was used felt like she had more to give and I'm very glad that she got another shot deeply enjoyed this so what was your like when you walked out of the theater what do you think was the number one thing that that stuck with you Okay, I'm going to start with something just, just you know, the one very specific thing that I kept thinking about the whole time, apart from the fact that it was very, very fun and I didn't want to look away at any point. Um, it was, okay, two things. Number one, I really enjoyed the colors in the movie. It was really fun. This just kept standing out to me every, at some point about halfway and I was like, mm, fun colors. And then I couldn't stop noticing all of the, you know, the ways in which color was used. It was just beautiful. I genuinely thought it was just gorgeous, fun, Technicolor palette. And um, it was very, like, it really it really fit with the vibe. It was great. And you could really tell also the scenes when it was, like, visibly drained of color, kind of meant to be the, you know, the, like, oh, whoops, danger is afoot parts. And then the color would pop up in really fun and unexpected ways when all everything was going well. It was, like, fireworks. I loved it. Um, and the second thing is, oh my god, there is some serious action in this movie. Like, imagine being a child and you're watching this. I mean, again, obviously it was rated R, but like at some point you're watching this on the internet and you're like, oh my god, did they just cut these people's faces off? Um, so I deeply enjoyed the action. Um, so I yes, color and action. Please talk, please talk to me about the action because I have so much to the say. The action was so good. Like Yes! So... Two, two things to talk about. A, you're completely right. Like, I felt like the action was deeply, un, like, A, very good, and B, unexpected. So when I mean very good, I mean, like, I, uh, if you've seen the John Wick franchise, then you know, like, how good it can be to see well choreographed and well shot action scenes. Um, mm -hmm. And I only use that because it's, like, probably the best contemporary example. Um, even though I should also note that that's like a very American problem, like many other countries, cinema are fantastic at shooting action and we just tend not to be, um, yeah, it's, true. it's so good because it's real and it's choreographed and it, there's not, there's not, uh, uh, basically a million cuts that are put in there in order to mm -hmm. make you not notice that it's actually a stunt double and, and all these sort of problems of training versus not. And, and there can be legitimate reasons why you do that, but nonetheless, it's just, uh, again, this is not the man, this podcast is going to sound so much like I'm trying to start a war between Marvel and DC, like an annoying person on Reddit, but I promise I'm not. I can imagine if you watch, who would want to uh, do that less. <laughs> so that's very If funny. you watch most Marvel movies and you watch it, let's say you put it up at the exact same time against Birds of Prey, you can see what we're talking about. There's oh, a difference yes. in the way that the action is shot and it is, it is about, um, sort of commitment to to realism of action versus fantastical action and and the the latter requires you to not have it be real because you can't um and in this movie it is gritty it is hard like people get hit and when they get hit they get hit hard oh, yeah. and that is not specific to one gender or one character people get hit hard 
Now, that part I don't think was necessarily unexpected. It's really great, but it's not unexpected. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The unexpected part was the level of violence isn't, like, unheard of in a movie. It's not really a thing that shows up in these type of movies. And not, not in the same way. Like, it's a, it was a visceral violence. And it wasn't happening all the time. There's just one scene that, that Shalila just mentioned that is sort of now, I think, going to be the infamous scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you just watch someone have their face cut off. And Several it's so people. unexpected to see that. Like, to just have that in a, in a film of this genre. And in a film that otherwise doesn't seem like it's going to have that like it's not a watchman movie it was just man yeah it was really unexpected but really really good and you know what i'm gonna bring it back to that movie. i don't know why this is my current movie that i'm gonna compare it to but i also i want to talk about stakes for a second mm-hmm. because i think birds of prey handled their stakes really well and what i mean by that is that scene where you're watching ewan mcgregor who plays the main villain in this film uh who is black mask by the way ewan mcgregor i mean all kudos goes to Mario Robbie and the rest of that cast. This movie, to me, belongs to Ewan McGregor. He was phenomenal in this movie. I think he really does make it. Um, he There's a scene in which he is, is basically torturing these people and ends up cutting their faces off. And that scene, the tension of that scene, and the tension that comes later is real and palpable. Like, he's, he's actually quite frightening. He's very charismatic. He's very unhinged. Um, it actually reminded me a lot of um, Patrick Bates. Uh, is that the guy's name from uh, uh, American Psycho? Yeah. Um, it reminded me of that character, except if he was a little bit richer and more flamboyant. Um, like if he was just more okay with being out about how he was going to kill everyone rather than pretending and sitting in an apartment as a, a stockbroker like he does in that movie. Anyway. The, the tension and the stakes are, are so real and so constant throughout that movie, even though they're really small. Like, this is not a they're going to take over the world movie. This is a there's a mob boss and he's going to kill me and I need that not to happen movie. And I'm going to compare that for a second against Avengers Age of Ultron again. The stakes of that movie are infinitely higher than they were <laughs> in this like movie. There is a extinction. murder robot who it turns out later is the brainchild of an ancient primordial gem who takes over the world's computers in order to attach rocket boosters to the bottom of a country, lift that country up thousands of miles into the air, and then drop it back onto the planet in order to cause a mass extinction. And 110% Birds of Prey had better tension the entire time. Like, it was just... I'm in Age of Ultron, and this isn't, I mean, maybe it's just part of the difference in tone, but I'm never worried. Like, I know that they're going to do it. It's going to be fine, and who cares? This movie, it just started so surprisingly hard, so fast, that I kind of didn't know where it was going to go. Like, I know Margot Robbie's safe, but I don't know that she's going to come out of it unscathed. I don't know if her co-stars are going to be okay because he's unhinged and he'll cut your face off. And I legitimately, I buy into it. They did it so well that I kind of believe it for a second where I'm like, yeah, you and McGregor might kill you. (laughs) Like, I don't know if you're going to make it out of this. And that was really refreshing. 
Definitely. I also like that, I mean, Harley Quinn's whole thing is that back when she was with the Joker and in love with him, she, like, jumps into a vat of acid and et cetera, et cetera, you know? Um, and it felt very, like, that, considering that is a part, big part of the background story of this character, like, it felt like a perfect way to carry on that level of literally anything horribly gory could happen, you know? Like, she could yeah. end up in another vat. Somebody else could end up, like, it really did feel that way. You, you put it really well. That's true. It was But uh, not in a, solid. not in a, like, I would say that, that, the way that we're describing this, I think, can be misconstrued to say that it's like a, um, like a hardcore gritty boy movie. Like, a, in order to make it good, you got to make it serious, grim, dark. That's not what it is at all. Like, that is not what we're trying to say. When I mean like dark, and when 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 you say like serious and danger, and like how much how much danger they can be in, that's not the same thing as saying super serious, grim, dark. It's right. a hilarious movie. It's just that the stakes are actually real. Um, right. They really are very tangible, and that is different. Yes. Extremely, extremely true. Back to what you were saying about how Ewan McGregor is just loving it. Uh, playing so good. Mask. He's, he's just... It's perfect. It's really perfect. He feels so at home, um, but it's also insane. You know, like, you're, like, simultaneously just so happy in a meta sense that he's playing this character because he you know he's just like clearly he's loving it but also like genuinely terrified <laughs> about what this character is going to do um yeah so i just I, and and obviously i think margot robbie feels also equally at home playing harley quinn she's very she's she adores that character. She is, yeah like yeah. it's it's palpable every second she's on screen every single deranged facial expression everything she does or higher physicality the way she says every single line given to her she's just like it's delicious to her like you can tell you can sense it which is why it's so much fun when her and uh, black mask like face off in any scene because you're like oh these two people are just like thriving playing these characters and loving hating each other um yeah. it is like it's fantastic it's just so it's so great seeing them um, so very solid casting on the two of them. I mean, like pretty solid on everyone else as well. Did you? How did you feel about? Um, I suppose Black Canary, um, uh, Journey yeah, Smollett. Journey Smollett. Yeah, she was great. Yeah. Um, it, it's. I, I think only for like only for people who care about the CW, um, Black Canary mm-hmm. has actually been a pretty reoccurring character in like nerds' lives Flareopers. for a while now. Yeah, because there's been three different versions of her that have showed up in a long-running television show. Um, I think it just had its ninth season. Very overlapping, long-running TV shows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're talking about at least, I think, nine years worth of of this show and therefore this character. And that's interesting because the rest of the characters don't come with a history, other than comics. They don't really come with their own baggage. No one really cares who black mask is no you know those are all sort of fresh yeah but black canary is the only one that if at least if you're a tv person you yeah. might come with a little bit of baggage and that means that she has to distinguish herself and and smollett needs to be different or needs to be you know she's going to have to fit into something that either makes her acceptable or makes her different enough in in how people might view it and i personally think it was the latter i mean she really made that part her own in such a different and unique way um i actually i really loved what she did with it it's it's unlike anything that i've seen of her portrayals in in either the books or games or tv shows so i really enjoyed it yeah absolutely she's so good she's fantastic it 
just felt it felt right felt really fun and it felt um it, it made me complete I've also like, seen pretty much every episode of all of Black Canary on TV and all of these different shows and and I completely forgot about it not even in a bad way I just wasn't even thinking of it like she just made it her own version and that felt like the only thing to think about in the moment when she was playing that character which is kind of all you could ask for uh also okay so i'll say this about the characters um something in dc tries to do a lot is balance a lot of people on screen at the same time and then do it very badly uh (laughs) and i'm i'm not gonna say they did like great job it wasn't like this is how you do an ensemble movie but well first off it was better than what they've tried to do in the past um but it was a it was a little messy for sure um i for example thought that huntress was was i say fun because i like have a huge crush on mary elizabeth winstead and i love her and i think that everything she does is great but like also she was kind of like barely allowed to become the character that she was written to be i think this i completely agree um, but no, I, I felt I like they attempted agree. to give her a full, like, sort of quick backstory arc. Like, it wasn't like, here she is, figure it out. It was certainly like, here she is, here are some visual reasons why, here are several other intercut visual reasons, and I still didn't quite feel it. Like, I was like, ah, okay, she's, uh, she's on the script. No, I completely agree. Um, that's actually one of my, my quibbles with this movie. Um, on the positive side, like, it was... Uh, I think what you mentioned before, like this movie is, is I would say due in thanks to two people, um, Margot Robbie and, and Ewan McGregor to me, like Mm -hmm. he makes the stakes real and his performance, he is so involved and so in deep with it that you just believe it. And, and it's fun and he's different and that's engaging. And then Margot Robbie, of course, loves his character and she lives and breathes this, this movie and this, this identity in this franchise. And like you just said, you can see how much fun she's having with it. Um, and those to me are the two sources that really carry this movie. Like they are the, they're the weight of it. Honestly, everything else comes together kind of by the skin of its teeth. Um, and I don't think, and that's not to say that it's a bad movie by the end of it. I don't think it's bad. It just needed a little work. And I'm not really sure where that could have happened or when that could have happened. I don't know where the problems really lie, but mm-hmm. I think Huntress, to me, like you just said, she's the most glaring part of that to me. Um, she, She's introduced, well, if you were aware of her story in any capacity, you know that she's actually introduced very early on. Um, I was very aware of when she first showed up, except you don't realize it's her, per se. And then, but but in a real way, in a really, like, substantive way, she doesn't show up until about two-thirds of the way through the movie? Yeah, it's, it's close uh, to the end. Yeah, and that means that you arrive at this sort of like you arrive at the 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 epilogue of the movie in which everyone is sitting around and are friends now, and it's fun to watch. But I couldn't help but think you guys have had like three hours together because right. she just showed up. Like she showed up at the very tail end, essentially, of the rest of it. And I think that's one of the core problems with the movie is that it couldn't balance out that many characters. It just couldn't do oh, it. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. at it the didn't end, know how to allot enough time. Yeah. yeah. It didn't know how to allot enough time to Winstead um, or to Rosie Perez. And, yeah. and it just wasn't sure who it really wanted it to be its focus. And as a right. result, I think it means by the end of it, you're kind of left with a feeling of, I know that you want us to understand that these are all friends now, but... 
are they? Like, I, I yeah. kind of don't buy it 100% because we haven't had enough time with them. And I think, um, I will say, I don't know if I entirely, I don't know if I entirely disagree with them. Part of me says that this movie, despite having what I said on a previous broadcast, Margot Robbie, I think, kind of has a golden ticket at Warner Brothers right now. But yeah. I don't think that means that she's going to be able to do literally everything she wants. And to me, this movie kind of feels like they shot for the moon. Uh, you know, they made a movie understanding that they may never get to make another one. Yeah. So they're going to use all the characters they want to make. But in a better version of this movie and maybe in a better run version of it, I think what you would have done is you would have at least guaranteed a sequel. And that way you could have said, here's Harley Quinn and here are her two friends. Now we're going to set up who's going to come in for the sequel. And that way you get this nice sort of like set feeling of of who they are, why they are friends with each other, why we should buy that they even like each other um, beyond just sort of saying like they're all victims of the same person and they all wish not to be and they all wish to take power back and agency back from that person because you introduce them so late that it's hard to buy that. So I agree. I, I really liked Elizabeth Winstead as, uh, as Huntress. She was great. Um, I loved her outfit. Uh, and I love the whole, she's like bad at being serious, which was yeah. kind of interesting. Like that was like an interesting little character like trait. Rosa Diaz yeah. from Brooklyn Nine-Nine kind of uh, Yeah, character. yeah. Well, I felt like she, it felt like she was doing an impression of it's that the whole casting. time. And I also love her, so it didn't feel like that's not a dig. It just was like interesting because no, Rosa no. Diaz is in yeah. a comedy canonically. And this is not like, it's not Birds of Prey, it's not, not funny, but... I mean, she's also doing some serious damage and is meant to be a character whose motivations are the most serious, kind of, you know? Like, she's like she's yeah. not, like, in this for the laughs or in this for the derangement. She's like, oh, this is a very serious revenge story that has driven my entire life. And I don't think I got yeah, that. Because yeah. they couldn't do it justice in yeah. the, the exactly. limited time she had. Exactly. Uh, I actually, I don't know if this is, if, uh, if, if anyone's going to agree with me on this, but if I have to pick one one real key focal point to me the 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 issue of the movie um and ba what i guess i'm trying to say is like who would i remove for lack of a better word um in order to make this work i honestly think there was m too much time spent on ella basco's character um she plays cassandra oh, kane i'm with you uh who is is in the comics she's a uh, uh uh, actually a former Robin. She's uh, lots of different characters, but more famously, she's a character called Spoiler. Um, and she's a great character. Like, this is not to say she's not a great character. I honestly loved her performance. I thought she was great. She was a lot of fun. And there was just way too much time spent on her. Uh, it's and, weird and because they spent all this time and I still don't know it. her as a person, you know? Like, I felt like at no, the end I of the thing... No, I completely agree. I mean, obviously, to be completely fair, agree. like, the whole, like, diamond thing is obvious. Like, so the whole point is they're chasing this diamond and, like, they yeah. have to get it and those are the, those are entirely the stakes. Um, and obviously, that's meant to be, like, a MacGuffin of, of sorts. Like, it's... The diamond never right. matters. But she eats but the also, MacGuffin she and never, thereby yep. she becomes the MacGuffin. And then she... Yep. Exactly. And the whole time yep. I was like, I'm struggling to place you as a person. And yeah. obviously, because I'm still struggling to place like the three other characters that i was just introduced to like i still don't really understand the cops deal um even though rosie perez is great and like she's trying her best it was just you know yeah. there's just so much going on that the like the weird thing they tried to center it around super couldn't stick yeah i don't know if this is if this sounds 
kind of like a dumb quibble, but but to your point just now, like, I don't know why she's a pickpocket. Like, yeah. I guess I can infer, but it's not really made clear. And, and what I mean by that is, like, there's not even a line of dialogue. Like, it's not like she says, she doesn't even have, like, a, um, uh, I don't know why this is where my mind is going, but I'm thinking of uh, Matt Damon in Ocean's Eleven, where when he's introduced to you as the pickpocket, one of the first things you learn is that his dad was a legendary pickpocket. And sure, he is just, yeah. this is the family business, basically. Like, he's just, he's the next one, and this is what he does, and this is what he likes doing, and he's the best, and he doesn't want to hear it. You don't even get that. Like, she's just great at it, and then you just kind of have to go with it. And, and that's not to say I needed, like, a huge, complex backstory Yeah, but not her, even, like, a throwaway. But I'd like... Yeah, I just want to know who she is. And you kind of don't. You only know who she is in relation to Harley Quinn. And you know that she comes from a bad foster home. Yeah. And that's kind of about it. Uh, and that doesn't feel like enough, especially in comparison to what you said of, like, you actually do get quite a bit out of Rosie Perez. I think she probably has the second most well-put-together complex background and personality outside of uh, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. And then number three, I would say, is Journey Smollett as Black Canary, where yeah. you get a little bit about her mom. You then kind of have to infer a little bit as to why she might be doing what she's doing. And, and even that, to me, wasn't all very clear. I was like, yeah, why? if her mom was, like, super cool, why is she? Whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, you get a little bit about how, like, well, he's employing people and the cops aren't. And I was like, okay, sure, I guess. Um, and then at the bottom of the pile, you get uh, – you get – Cassie Kane, and uh, it's just a little strange. So, again, I think the biggest issue was they tried to do too much at once. Yeah, but I yeah. also understand that motivation. Like it's hard for me to blame them because this yeah, like could said, have this been is the shot they get. Their only shot. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Wait. Also, I, speaking of characters who didn't quite get the time they deserve, uh, Chris Messina is uh, Victor's. Is it Victor Zaz? Victor Zaz. Victor Zaz. Yeah. I, I just, I just <laughs> thought he was so cool and so much fun. Um, he's great, and I like barely saw him. You know, like he was there. I thought, he, and I mean, you might feel like super differently about this. I felt like he had a really fun little dynamic going with. Um, Roman Sionis, the black mask. Um, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, it was a good, fun little partnership. It was, it was a, it was like obviously very thrilling when he was like, oh, good, go do this. And you're like, oh my God, he's gonna cut their faces off, et cetera, et cetera. It was like, you know, fun little back and forth. And, um, and uh, I, I liked him, basically. Um, I kind of feel like he dyed his hair platinum for almost nothing. Am I just, is that just me? Yeah, I, uh, I think this is one of those examples where it's just supposed to be kind of weird. You know what okay. I mean? Like, honestly, the, 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 I think it worked better in this movie than it did in Suicide Squad. And I'm actually going to say that these are related. Jared Leto's Joker in Suicide Squad looks <laughs> away. And uh, you've definitely seen him if you've been on the internet. Um, if not, Google him right now. He looks a certain way. And the way that he looks is meant to convey something about his personality. And I think that it fails in nearly every way, except that you get that he's just kind of a weird dude. And honestly, I think this Christmasina's character, I honestly think it's it cuts out the rest of the subtext. I honestly think it's just that he's supposed to be weird. Like, oh, okay. he's a weird dude. And, and, and in other words, when I mean weird, I mean it's just meant to make you feel kind of off-put by him. 
And I was like the way that he holds his mouth, his teeth, which if I remember right, were like bleached or they kind of looked like it. Um, his hair is this weird sort of platinum blonde and yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of what I'm going for is I don't think it was really meant to do anything other than to unsettle you. And in that regards, it did it. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think the the reason I'm positing that is I feel like bleaching your hair typically in movies is either a tragic thing, like you are literally removing color from your life, or it is a racist thing because you are a Nazi. And those are like the only two routes. And neither of those really seem to fit him. We don't get any sense of tragedy. Um, nor, honestly, do we get some weird sense of like Nazism. He's not bad because he's a Nazi. He's bad because he's a serial killer. Like, right. that's it. Right, he's, so. He doesn't seem to care. He's just really into killing you. So I don't know. I, I just think it was meant to be kind of weird. And mission accomplished. It really was. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can buy that. I mean, it worked. If, that's, if that was the, the goal, then it was fun and fine. Do you... I have a question for you. Yeah. Did you get the sense... Because I've seen a couple of... I've seen a couple tweets about this and I heavily disagree with them, but I'm curious. Hmm. Did you get the sense that Sionis and Zaz, Ewan McGregor and Chris Messina, are meant to be a couple? Or at least are meant to be romantically engaged in some form or another or were or anything like that? Okay. I've actually thought about this a little bit and I don't... Well, I don't think that that's in any form explicitly the message that they were trying to send. I don't think that this was meant to be like a, we won't put a label on it, but you guys will know, like the right people will know. I don't think it was one of those. Agreed. But I It did not feel queer-baited. You no, know, it didn't, yeah. I just felt like it was a, I think this is where it ties into your, hey, he's just a weird guy comment. It just felt like they've got a crazy relationship because one of them is a deranged like kingpin and the other one is his killer like he like he goes and kills people in front of him all the time so it just felt like the way the two people who you don't see on a daily basis might interact just because they're both a little crazy um okay i, I i'm so glad that. you like, said that's that. genuinely I completely agree. How I felt. like i thought it was a fun dynamic and i, I also like kind of like despise the general sense that like two men who like physically stand very close together on screen and like maybe like <laughs> share some tender looks like have to be gay or like i don't know like sure i mean yeah, yeah. i don't know maybe maybe in some deep entrenches of his mind like victor has a small crush like i don't know you know i don't think but i don't think that 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 was the point in any form i just didn't yeah no, you're right I... that i didn't feel queer baited is the point Okay, I'm glad you said that because I kept seeing things about that that were like, oh, that's so either great or weird or bad or whatever. Any any place on the spectrum of belief as to the fact that they were definitely factually together. And I was like, that, I don't think that's true. This is going to sound like a strange comparison, but to me, the way that that relationship felt is Zaz is his dog. Like... And maybe this is just because I have a dog who is weirdly obsessed with me. And when I say that, I don't mean like other people's dogs don't care about them. It's that she sits and stares at me sometimes in a way that makes me feel uncomfortable. um, Because she's just like watching my every move and wants to know whether or not I'm about to talk to anyone else or do anything else with my life other than think about her for more than five seconds. And when I was watching that movie, the first thing I thought about was my own dog. Like there's a scene in which he gets jealous of of um of journey smollett because she's interacting a lot with you and mcgregor and he keeps like 
vying for his attention. Like he keeps kind of interrupting their conversation and kind of like almost like acting out. And that's what it felt like to me. Like it's not, it's not love. Like it's not romantic love. It's the love of a dog to his master. Like it is, it is the love of pure obsessive obedience. And to me that made sense. Like he's a serial killer who has no seemingly personality beyond just the desire to definitely kill stuff, which is fine. Like he's a villain. He doesn't need to have one, but it also makes sense to me from Ewan McGregor's point of view. I don't believe Ewan McGregor cares about people. He cares about them so far as they are an end to whatever current mean he holds and, and, and whatever current whim he has. And therefore he seems to pretend to care about Zaz because Zaz is a very good lap dog. And that's why it was so confusing to me when people were like, man, their love was so romantic. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Two scenes in the movie, just like being so thrilled about the fact that he has, I think it's because these are two scenes in which, one of which he has hardly captured to, temporarily, and the other one he has um, Black Canary hanging out, listening because she has to and is employed to, to what they're going to do later. So he's essentially just talking about his plans and he's just so happy to have that audience, you know, to have, to be like, yeah. and I can perform and talk about what I'm planning because he thrives off this life you know like he it's great for Mm -hmm. him like it's such a great fit and having Victor as that perpetual audience makes him so happy and probably makes Victor very happy because he knows he can always be counted on to be you know his his contract killer basically so I feel like it's just a perfect like symbiotic relationship that we're seeing and like not so much like a gay one no I definitely don't either and I don't know if they said it or not in the marketing for the movie, but I actually don't remember, but I'm almost positive they did. Like they made it very clear that Sionis is supposed to be queer. Um for sure, but not necessarily in regards to Zaz. Like those are not like they are not a couple. But if I'm not mistaken, it, may, it might have just been you and McGregor saying that that's what he viewed it as. I don't really remember, but he definitely had some um, takes and on I, the promo cycle for this movie. Yeah, and I actually think that's interesting. I, there's a, a, a writer for a comic site that I really enjoy who is is gay and was talking about the fact that he really loved his portrayal because one of the things that he captured is the uh, is the misogyny that happens between gay men and women. Um, as in gay men towards women. Uh, and that was really interesting. Like, that's not something I'm going to track as a straight man, and it's not something I was going to notice if someone hadn't brought it up, but I thought that was a really interesting way to read a lot of his scenes because, frankly, most of his, his well, I guess his greatest crime in that movie is cutting off the face of a man, but most of his violence in that movie is toward women. Um, right, I mean, there's and it's not one, always like, literally physically violent. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's what I thought was interesting because... I watched that scene and did not feel that it was that it was sexual. Uh, but the scene we're referring to is Ewan McGregor. Um, basically, there's a woman who has annoyed him in his club because she is laughing and he is currently in a bad mood, and that's literally it. Um, and he believes that he can control not only money and people, but also uh, quite literally like the sound around him, or that he should be able to. So he gets up and tells her to start dancing on a table and tells her her date or whoever he is to begin undressing her. Um, and it's not, at least the way I read it is it wasn't really played sexually. It was just about power. It was just about, I have the power to control you and to control your fear. And that already is interesting to me. 
But again, reading that those takes of, of people who are going to notice those things that I'm not, of basically saying that that is, there's another layer to that, or there might be, I found really interesting. So uh, part of me hopes it's true. I, I thought that was, that was interesting. And I think there, there may be a negative way to read that, which is like, we probably don't need another queer man who is the villain. I would say my only like pushback against that is very rarely does that happen in a movie in which there's any other queer characters and it takes about 15 seconds for them to establish that harley quinn is bisexual in this movie yeah i mean Um, truly it's literally in the opening montage yeah yeah so that's part of me was like i don't really think that's the point or the problem this is a movie where that is irrelevant it is simply a function of his character because it could have been and why not versus uh it being some larger commentary so yeah i really uh those scenes really stuck out to me. He he just controlled every scene he was in. Ewan McGregor seemed like he had such a good time on this role. I loved yeah. it. And he really did say in like all pretty much all the interviews, he was like, Well, I just like I think we had so much fun playing like the misogynists to all these women because it needs to be shown. And I think I'll say this, so obviously there's a lot of conversation about how this is a woman written, woman produced, woman led movie, et cetera, et cetera, woman directed at least. Um and like obviously that's great. That's freaking amazing on many different levels. Yeah. Love that. Something that that's come up a lot at least in like film Twitter spheres has been um how that comes out in very small ways. And like one of those is that like during a fight scene Harley gives Black Canary a, a hair tie and like can tell that she needs a hair tie. <laughs> that whatever. was a great like, moment. Sure, that was definitely yeah. fantastic. I did love that because great like moment. haha, it's very real. Like that's it was fantastic. Yes, you know, not only would a man not have noticed that probably, but also it probably wouldn't have been in the movie. Sure, but I also thought that yeah. um, the I mean again, this isn't like. I don't think like this movie is like the the pinnacle or the, the the crown diamond of feminist cinema or anything, but I definitely think that um, like that scene that that scene where where Roman is you know just deeply annoyed that a woman is enjoying herself and has and you know has this man like cut her dress off and I think it, the, just the way that was handled didn't it obviously on one hand didn't feel like you could mistake it at any point for being a sexual thing, but also didn't feel like movies that often headed by a man are just trying to hammer into your head that this is a bad person but don't quite make the point that it is a man power play thing like it isn't like all this to say basically i think every single person in that theater that i was sitting with knew not to laugh at that it wasn't it wasn't like you know he wasn't like I am, um, like, it, it was played perfect. Like, I knew, I knew exactly what they were trying to say. It was uncomfortable, but it wasn't too uncomfortable, like, to watch. Like, it wasn't, you know, like, porn. It wasn't like, ha, 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 like, women yeah, get abused. No, no. It was just, it was handled the exact way that a bunch of mm-hmm. women, all of whom have had something in that vicinity sort of happen to them, would have it play on screen. They're like, this is horrible. This happens all the time. Unfortunately, it's commonplace. And this is his deal. He just straight up hates women and doesn't want to see like frivolous women have fun. Um, so I just, I just greatly, I felt like that was the crown jewel scene of the whole woman made movie for me. Like that was, it hit. And I've rarely seen something like that hit. Like usually it's just like weird, like abuse porn or it's like, should I laugh? Like, I don't know what the tone is in this scene right now. Um, it just, it, yeah. it, it was perfect. I liked that. I actually, that reminds me of, of Suicide Squad a lot. I think that's a good example of the opposite of that, where there's a lot of moments in that movie that are meant to be played for laughs regarding 
abuse toward Harley Quinn or toward, um, uh, well, there's just one woman cop who you're supposed to laugh at at one point. Um, and that to me, it felt exactly the opposite of what you're saying. Like it's meant to be played for laughs, but in a way that even the first time I watched it through, I was like, is this supposed to be funny? Like, and I, now I mean, as a movie I've watched a lot because I guess I like to torture myself, but, um, it definitely is like those moments are meant to be funny and they're kind of not. And I think related to what you're saying about, about, um, the, the sort of difference or like the way that's handled, I thought this movie really brilliantly handled violence with women is how I'm going to put it versus against women. So there's a couple things in particular I'm thinking of. One, there's a scene in which Harley Quinn has been captured by Ewan McGregor, um, Black Mask rather, uh, and Harley Quinn is sort of like Deadpool. Uh, I, I actually that weirdly enough that is one of the weird hills I'm going to die on is this movie is nothing like Deadpool, um, and I keep seeing all these like big critics places that are like this is DC's Deadpool and I'm like why anyway. Um, there is one thing in which she's like him, which is that she's very annoying. Uh, very, very annoying. Oh, and not in a way sure. where it's yeah. like, uh, men find her. Annoying. No, she's meant to be annoying. She's meant to be an obnoxious Harlequin. That's the whole point. Um, and she annoys the bejesus out of him to the point that he just straight up slaps her in the face. But like hard. Oh, Enough yeah. to like please stop being who you are you are so annoying and it is it is literally going to drive me insane is basically what his posit is and i don't know how to explain it but i mean because we live in the current world and movies are the way they are i mean i don't even know if i could count on on there's no way i could make a letterbox list of the movies that i've seen in my life in which women get slapped it's got to be a bazillion unfortunately and there's something about the way that it's treated in that scene that just feels different. And I don't know how to describe it. I don't know if it's because it's being written by a woman or being directed by a woman or what. But there's something about it that feels like it doesn't feel... He's not hitting her because he's like, I hit women all the time. My name is Sionis and I hit women. It's more Harley Quinn, my adversary, is so goddamn annoying. I'm going to lose my mind if she does not shut up. Yeah. And the scene that it reminds me of which is going to sound like a strange comparison. It reminds me a lot of Daniel Craig's torture scene in Casino Royale, in which he is sitting naked in a chair and he is being tortured. And the entire time he is laughing, he is giggling furiously because doing so is unnerving his torturer. And it gets to the point that the torturer loses his mind and gets so furious at him because he's being so annoying and Harley Quinn's scene felt just like that to me. And that to me was, that's why it felt different where it was like, oh, this isn't like, it's not violence because she's a woman. Harley Quinn just happens to be the woman character in this scene, but I've seen the scene before and it previously featured James Bond. Like, and there's a difference between that. And the action had the same thing. Um, a lot of the action felt like atomic blonde to me where, it's not, it didn't feel, I didn't like cringe or kind of recoil when I saw a woman being hit by another man because that right. woman previously tried to shoot him with a crossbow mm -hmm. or hit him with a hammer or shoot him with a gun. Like they're just action stars yeah. in the same way that you would watch any other action movie. And you don't cringe when Tom Cruise is about to get punched. Uh, you just 
watch it because that's action and you're exhilarated by it. And yeah. in the same way, the action in this film, the way it's shot, to me anyway, felt exhilarating and not, I don't know, not violent against them, which it often does. Like that should be noted. As I think a great word you just said is like torture porn. It is often put up at like, look how much this woman is being hit and look how much she can take being hit. Right. And that's not really, A, I don't think that's good. And B, that's not what this movie's doing. Yeah. I think that, I think a, that there's that, there's this weird scene that I, I remember um, really well from the movie where she goes into sort of, uh, it's like during this um, capture, capture scene sort of. Time. Oh, the dream the, sequence. Yes, the like weird the diamonds yes. are girl's best friend I dream sequence. I loved that one. That is, what a scene. Like that is, I think my favorite scene from the movie. Phenomenal. The moment it happened, I pulled out my phone to write it down so I wouldn't forget about it. I, it was just, it literally yeah. just texted it to myself. Um, loved that scene. Every, it was the, perfect blend of like generally gorgeous filmmaking but also like really unsettling like the whole thing while it was happening you're like oh my god like where is everyone's minds right now um yeah just it i think it was great like it was such a a perfect encapsulation of just how insane of a character she is obviously and then also just how like terrifying it is actually that he has her there and then just and like, to be in her head Yes, yes, and how like how terrifying it must be to be her anything. consciousness. Oh yeah. yeah, it's it's like such a it's such a perfect glimpse into how she processes the world around her, right? Because we're seeing, we're obviously we're hearing her monologue, her her you know yeah her monologue essentially a lot of the time, and we're hearing her voiceover, um, and we're hearing and we're seeing the stuff that she's doing, and still because she is such an inherently deranged person at this moment and is yeah deeply annoying, um, you still don't like at all times get it. Right, like you're not supposed to be like, oh yeah, yeah, I would do that. Like you certainly would not. That that's why she's Harley Quinn. But then when you watch that scene for a second, there's this like glimpse of of like sort of understanding where you're like, oh my god, like this is how it's like to be Harley Quinn. Like I too would do all of the stuff that she's doing if this is how I pro. Not that she's you know constantly seeing dream sequences of music in her head, but that things are that like terrifying, that you know yeah. kaleidoscopic. It, it helps understand her a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Even, like I said, at the, at the end of the day, I don't think that this movie, I, I don't think that it really, it all came together quite as it could have. Um, mm -hmm. But I do think that the reason I liked it is because at the end of the day, it executed on its basic premise. And this premise goes back to the very inception of this of this title, of this book series, even in the comics, which was, it has always been about specifically women, and it's been about women heroes who... They need another one of their fellow heroes in a moment. And what that, but what I mean by that is they don't need them for like a mission purpose, although that's, that's the reason it's put up, but it's that they need a friend. And the, the inception of the book was, was uh, the character Oracle, who is Batgirl or previously was, mm -hmm. and Black Canary. Like she's always been there since the beginning. And again, the whole point is it was like a, she needs her friend in this moment she needs the friendship of her fellow woman in order to accomplish her goal and why i think that in that regard alone i really think this movie executed on its basic premise like the final sort of i don't know what you call it epilogue denouement of the whole thing is they're yeah. hanging out in a bar drinking margaritas yeah yeah and you get the sense that that is what each of these individuals was actually missing harley quinn was missing a positive relationship, especially with women. 
Absolutely. Um, in a life so surrounded by the toxicity of the Joker and oh, thereby yeah. masculinity, she was deeply in need of a positive relationship with women. Um, and and you also get that from Rosie Perez's character and yeah, from yeah. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character and Black Canary, where each of them was shown to be in situations that were primarily dominated by men. Mm-hmm. And I think the only example otherwise is, again, uh, is Cassandra Cain, um, who, I guess, again, to what you said, we just don't really see much of her. But nonetheless, you still get the idea that she's really looking for a role model. She's really looking for a woman to look up to and to be around and a friend and a pal. Yeah. And that's where I think it really just succeeded. Um, yeah, it wasn't a perfect. beautiful scene it that didn't, you see that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it didn't have it it didn't have it all it wasn't perfect it could have used more time or it could have used I don't know what but at the end of the day I think it really did accomplish what it set out to do so I was very happy about that yeah I think its joy is definitely in the the little ways it handles I mean, we've definitely just talked a lot about very small like a couple minute long sequences that like tied it all together and I, I think I think a couple other little standouts is especially when. Like you said, Cassandra Kane just wants that role model. When she goes to the scene where she goes to Harley Quinn's little dingy kind of hidden away apartment and uh, Harley is obviously like, oh, I'm living, you know, kind of a shitty little life. Like this isn't, this is nothing yeah. great. Um, and then she's, so she's expecting Cassandra to be like, ew, or whatever. And then she just goes, this is, I think she's like, this is dope or this is awesome or something like that. Yep. Um, and it's, it's like, if you think about like being a kid your whole dream, especially if you're like an outlaw kid, your whole dream is to be a grown woman who's kind of crazy, independent, and has her own place. Like that is the that is the dream. Like that that was my entire dream as a kid. I was like, I just want my own little apartment in a big city, or I can do whatever I want. Like I want to put the thing on the wall. I'll put a thing on the wall. I want to have a pet hyena. I'll have a pet. You know, like that idea of cool woman who has grown up to do exactly what she wants to do and then she just gets to go and see that in person like you understand exactly why she's like this is awesome and it like it really makes sense that's interesting to me i'm really glad that you just told me that because i did not get that scene and that now i understand why when i watched it i thought it was just that she was kind of weird like i thought that was the the thing is that you're supposed to just get that cassandra kane's weird but even that thought alone when i watched it i was like that doesn't feel quite right because we also don't know anything about her. So what am I missing? Mm. And what you just said makes 110% sense to me. And again, would make sense why I missed it is if that is what you actually, if that is like the goal and is like a very relatable experience among young women and, and, and girls of like, I can't wait to be an independent woman with my own place who can have a weird pet. If I so choose and shop how I want and live where I want, like, which is another way of saying like, I can't wait to grow up and have independence and agency. Mm-hmm. That makes a hundred percent sense why she would be enamored with what she saw from Harley Quinn. So I'm actually really glad you told me that because I that was not a perspective I would have ever come up with on my own. Yeah, it just felt so like it felt instantly right to me. Where I was like, "Yep, yeah, that makes so much sense." That she's the perfect crazy awesome. woman for her to see and be like, "This is the life I want." I I also feel like, um, like you said, the whole the whole I mean maybe the whole point of this movie there's several several like potential points they were heading towards but it's woman who was previously under control of man has breakup and experiences post breakup emotions in their entirety and i think if you look at this as just like a breakup movie it's great i mean it's also just great on that level um i i mean my um personal enjoyment of this was just watching it as this like celebration of a post-breakup experience 
as a, a journey taken by a completely crazy woman. Like, I loved it. I, I just thought, like, right. you know, because it's obviously narrated by her, and she just talks about, you know, first I had my tears, and then I tried to get over him, but I couldn't. So then I had to do a big gesture, and then I cut my hair, you know, and then I went and tried to work it off and then eventually I failed but I eventually succeeded and just that that general path that she takes I mean there's no lying that it's there's no pretending it's not relatable I mean it's like intensely relatable you're watching it you're just like yep mm-hmm, that woman needs to get over her breakup and she's gonna do what she needs so I also just really enjoyed this as a breakup film I thought it was great just a, a fun journey through what a girl needs to do to get over a man sometimes and of course this happens to be like a completely insane man and a completely insane woman but like the the elements were there the base elements well there you go i can't think of a better way to sum it up so what let's play a game if you're down yeah let's do it wait actually no one more thing i want to hear your thoughts on this go for it um (laughs) i mean like i'm not gonna not talk about the fact that she like took time out of the middle of suicide squad to go and vote for bernie like carly quinn voted for bernie it's a whole thing in the movie (laughs) like oh yeah that she like comes out as a bernie supporter yeah it's like one of the things that pissed off uh, black mask (laughs) Like, so honest, yeah. That's that she's so a Bernie voter. funny. Like, at what point yep. in all the car chases and she's like, oh, gotta register, gotta go to the polls. <laughs> yeah. That is really funny. It's so funny to think about that. Also, the fact that she just has Bernie's accent, like, the same Brooklyn, like... Yep. Agreed. <laughs> it just gets me. It's so great. Um, I actually thought they yeah. did such a good job with those, um... I guess I'm gonna call them character cards. Which is a thing that they started yeah. doing in, in Suicide Squad. And I liked them there, but it was interesting to see them here because here I realized how poorly they were done in Suicide Squad. Yes. Like, oh my god. I liked so them in that movie. I really do. I like the I like the shtick. I like that gimmick. And mm-hmm. I think they did a fine job. Here they did a very good job. Yeah, absolutely. They're just it's it's a if I have to pick anything to to help people understand why this movie is better than suicide squad and again i should note i actually do enjoy that movie a lot even though it is a bad movie i probably watch it once a year i mean that is strange but that's okay um yeah yeah, i know uh i think it's a classic case of less is more in in Mm -hmm. literally every every single bit of production less is more and these character cards are a good example of that of like Rather than in Suicide Squad, there's like a, you know, they each have like a million things on the screen where it's like, oh, Deadshot, Will Smith's character, he's super dangerous for these 16 reasons. And there's like a scrolling list of things behind him and there's all these neon signs and flashing things. And in this movie, each person gets like three things. It has a, it has like a, why do they, who are they and why do they hate Harley? And it's like a very easy to see. Sometimes it's even an emoji. Like, they make it very clear and easy to consume. And you get immediate access to this person, who they are, why they might hate her, why they might love her, and a little quick in insight into their personality. And you get it in about a second and a half flash of information. And it was definitely conveyed better than it was in Suicide Squad. Oh, so sure. it was just a, I don't know, I, I really liked that aspect. It felt very like... And that's that's like where the Bernie thing comes from. Glimpse into, yeah, yeah. It glimpsed into the little, like... Yeah. Harley Quinn's mind is just 1,000% ADD, and I loved it. Like, seeing the, like, yep. um, just, like, the speed at which she's processing things. Whenever you get, again, that glimpse into her mind, you're like, oh, oh, she is having four million thoughts this second. 
Um, and it really does come actually that's cards. I, I want to talk about that for just a second because that is something that my uh, wonderful partner uh, really enjoyed about the movie. She wants to uh, go to um, she wants to get a doctorate in in uh, psychology to be a therapist eventually. And something that she really loved was that aspect of Harley Quinn's personality in this movie, where basically again, sort of a comparison is like in Suicide Squad, the fact that she is literally a doctor, like the character of yes. Harleen Quinzel has a doctorate um, in in psychology and in uh, 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 like aberrant behaviors and things like that. And is even in the comics is supposed to be incredibly intelligent. Um, and in this movie, she uses it like a lot. She goes through these constant monologues about like, oh, silly you supervillain like this is just you expressing your disappointment in your father and the fact that you're never going to be able to please him mm-hmm. but you won't be able to so you better stop like and she falls into these little periods where she is basically expressing it and what i thought what 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 my partner really enjoyed about that is that it's like you get to see that she is intelligent it's not that she like she's nuts but that's not the same thing as saying she's like ditzy and dumb right she's just kind of bonkers because she's harley quinn but she's still incredibly intelligent. It's almost just like she chooses when not to be. And oh, that's kind sure. of it. It's okay. You can control. be obsessively, obsessively enamored with a breakfast sandwich. Mm-hmm. And you can also be formerly probably like the leading mind in this field of psychology. And you can be both. And that's fine. It's great. It's perfect seeing that. Yeah. And yeah, she has, yeah. A, she has a, I think she has a one scene where Huntress is, you know, kills whatever just fulfills i truly forgot her motivation already but like fulfills something that she's wanting to she's like historically like revenge doesn't actually help you feel better and it was just like a lovely little glimpse into like she's actually thinking about this through her therapist actively constantly all the time yeah 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 that's great also wait one more thing lovely costumes do you agree like really oh we didn't really get to talk about this yes i could probably talk about i loved the costume i could break down every single thing and how badly i wanted to like have it created mimic it in general costuming to me is a thing we talked about this on a previous podcast of like i don't know that much about it i have little knowledge of fashion and of costuming but i do have a, a basic understanding of its purpose which other than to clothe your actors is that it needs to convey something about your character in a way that is not distracting, but is also noticeable. And honestly, this is one of the better costume movies I've ever seen. Like in my entire life, it did such a good job of doing that. And it, I, it sounds like I'm keep ignoring like the main people of the movie. And I promise like they're phenomenal and their costume is great too. It's just that, I mean, inherently I think I could relate to him more. I'm going to go back to you and McGregor for a second his costumes were excellent. Yeah. And even if he had never spoken in this movie, I really think you would get a lot out of his character simply by looking at him. These like elaborately tailored and adorned velvet suits that he wears. Um, but they're also not super formal. Like he's often wearing like a, a dressy black t-shirt with a velvet purple uh, blazer that has like black brocade on the front of it. And he's wearing these leather driving gloves and it's all so over the top, but still put together well. And that says so much about who he is instantly. Like the minute you see him on screen, you're like, Oh, understood. This is who he is. Like you understand that he is not only wealthy, but that he also probably holds power that he's probably very over the top, but he's not a poser. 
which is also yeah. to say he's not not dangerous. He's incredibly dangerous, yeah. just like he knows his fashion. And he wears things that almost in such an exuberantly confident way as though to say, I know none of you could possibly pull this off. And that's why I do it. And I just, that to me, I never noticed costuming in movies. So the fact that it was so stark for me was awesome. Like, I loved that part of the movie. I love all their costumes. It was so good. Yes. I mean, I will also say I noticed it a ton because, like, all the women were super hot to me. Like, they weren't painted to be, like, you know, beat hot. Such great costumes. They were just super hot. (laughs) Like, I was like, oh, my God. So everything they wore, I was, like, trying to learn it by heart. It was just really good. But, yes, also, like, everybody's look said so much about them. And it wasn't wasn't too much of a statement. It was just descriptive and good. I am thoroughly confused by the reaction to Mary Elizabeth Winstead's costume. There was like a lot of these negative comments on Twitter by bad men and possibly bots, uh, all regarding the fact that she didn't look attractive in this like leather outfit. And the reason I'm confused, like I'm just going to like, let's ignore all aspects of misogyny for a second. Mm -hmm. In the early 2000s, Trinity from The Matrix was like a very famous sex symbol. Because she had these awesome leather outfits and she like dominated for a while because of how she looked in those movies and how awesome she was and how kick-ass she was in those costumes. And even the way that they shot Mary Elizabeth Winstead's like uh, uh, like press photos with her in the costume, it looks just like those photos. Like I, that's why I was so confused by the reaction where I was like, what are you you guys realize like 20 years ago, this was, you were into it. Like this was fine. What are you talking about? Like, I'm, I'm just, that part very much confused me. It felt like a little bit of a spiritual successor. She even kind of has the same makeup. I don't know. There's just something about her that reminded me. Um, and that's why I was so confused. I was like, what, how did that change? I don't understand. Yeah. I, I genuinely don't get it. I mean, I also like, again, will lit- she could do anything. I'm the wrong person to speak on this because she could just truly wear, do anything. And I'd be like, oh my God, <laughs> she's, she's very hot. Um, because she is, but she like, yeah, I mean, it was also like objectively a very attractive general vibe, like the clothes, the pose, the, the fact that she is killing people with a crossbow in a very like, she's just so cool like if anything like she was a singular character who you could misconstrue as being the closest to like a fantasy you know like the way she was considered and I say this as like an offshoot of the fact that they they couldn't flesh out her character as much or for some reason it didn't happen but since she doesn't have like much of an explanation not an explanation much of like a, a deeply realized motivation or deeply realized character going for her you could say in a world that she is the closest of all the women to being like ah she shoots people and is dry and calculating because it's hot. Like, it's not. That's, again, like, that's not it. But, like, it's weird. It's just so weird on so many levels that, like, she was the one everyone was like, oh, it's like they tried not to make her hot. So they tried really hard to make her hot, actually. that's That was my take on it. I mean... Um, and utterly yeah. succeeded. Yeah, yeah. deeply. Uh, great job. Everybody in this movie is smoking hot. Like, every single person. Yeah, it was great. Insane. Great eye candy all around. And that that is another yeah. way that makes this a you know successful movie. <laughs> yeah, agreed. So here is the game that I want to play with you. Yes. So the next movie for Harley Quinn is The Gotham City Sirens, which I believe comes out in 2022. Uh, 
Uh, it might be 21, but I think it's 22. So the Gotham City Sirens is the villainous version, for lack of better description, of the Birds of Prey. Uh, and typically refers to three characters, Catwoman, uh, Harley Quinn, and Poison Ivy. Now, there's a Batman movie coming out possibly this year, possibly next year, um, by Matt Reeves, starring Robert Pattinson as Batman, uh, which is going to be great. And in that movie, we have already we already know our Catwoman. Uh, Zoe Kravitz has been cast as Catwoman. Yes. I don't know whether or not that's going to continue into Gotham City Sirens because DC's kind of in this weird nebulous place right now. So I have no idea. But let's assume for a second that Catwoman is going to stay put and Zoe Kravitz will be with uh, Margot Robbie in that movie. So what I'd like to know from you is who do you cast as Poison Ivy? And I have an important an important reason I'm bringing this up. Pretty famously, within the past several years in the books and a little bit in the TV shows, as in the, the animated shows, Harley Quinn is no longer with the Joker, just as she is not in this movie. Mm-hmm. Instead, her girlfriend is Poison Ivy. Uh, and they are, are very romantically linked. So, what I'd like to know is, who do you cast as Poison Ivy because that person needs to be the successor to Jared Leto's Joker as the new heartthrob of Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. So who do you pick? Hey, well, you have to tell me first. I, I just, I want to know what you're thinking. Uh, I don't have one. That's why I'm curious what you're going to say. I really don't. I've been mulling this over for a long time and I, I don't actually have one that's coming straight out of my brain. So I'm, I'm legitimately curious what, what, what it is that you, like what your first gut instinct is. Okay, this is... Um, I, I can give you a little bit more. I don't know if... I don't know how familiar you are with Poison Ivy as a character. Okay, so I I'll say this about Poison Ivy. I, I mean, I, on her. I'm obsessed with Poison Ivy. Like, I talk about her, like, okay. weekly. Like, truly, like, I will slip it into a conversation in my life that absolutely nobody has come even close to talking about comics in. Like, I will just <laughs> have to bring her up because I'm deeply in love with her as a character. So I genuinely, like, have some vested interest in this because I really like her. Um, And I think that, like, it is criminal how little people talk about how she has, like, the coolest powers. Um, Like, that, you you control nature, you control everything, man. Um, That is, it's very cool. Um, So, yeah, I love her. Um, I don't think I need much background, which is good. Um, Now, I just, there are... There are just so many directions you can take this in. But I, I'm just going to, like, cut to the chase. So I'm going to say two very different people. Okay, so have you watched the um, fairly ridiculous movie um, XXX, The Return of Xander Cage? Yes, I have. Uh, wow. Are you about to say what I think you're going to say? Yes, I have. Okay, so um, the, the the one of the, the several loves of my life is Deepika Padukone. She is this Indian actress, Bollywood actress, yes. deeply successful in Bollywood. Like she's like yes, the top yes, star. Yes, like she's yes. she's it. Um, she's maybe even past her time a little bit. Like she's like she's a, one of the reigning queens. I like yeah. It makes me really happy to pitch like a, a brown woman, an Indian woman, a, a Bollywood star, et cetera, et cetera, anything that's close to my heart in these roles. But also having watched that movie, she was like really cool and hot to me as an action woman who was also seductive and was also strong and this was a very silly movie with limited stuff going for it I mean it's fun it's, it's good stuff but like there wasn't 
much reason for her to be able to do any of that. And this is so bizarre, but I just feel like she could take all of that and make it into a really fun Poison Ivy. Um, and the other completely random woman that I just think like physically could be cool and I've given no more thought to that. Um, and I'm a little regretful that I'm picking a white woman, I'm going to be honest. I think Kate Mara could be really cool. I just think she is like the face to interesting. be um, interesting. a fun and interesting take on a superhero. Um, okay. Okay, now hit me. So I'm very excited that you said Topeka Patagon. Uh She was not going to be my choice, but the reason I find that so interesting is because I was going to go with America's other current uh, oh, big Bollywood actress, uh that is right i was going to go i have two two choices and one of them probably my number one is priyanka chopra and the only reason i'm saying that is because of her role as the villain in baywatch she killed that role killed it like she was so good at the like almost campily seductress villain but also just kind of couldn't have given a damn like about it's like she couldn't have cared less about being in the movie like she just showed up and she was there and that's kind of what i'm looking for out of this character because she yeah. as a character is someone who is so disinterested in the problems of humans because she sees them as being parasitical on the world of nature and to literally destroyers of the earth that she just kind of doesn't care it's almost like a disconnect and that's what I'm looking for. I need a little bit of that passion, but I also need a little bit of that disconnect. Hmm. So my first choice is Priyanka Chopra. Uh, so that was very exciting since those are the only two uh, major Bollywood actresses that yeah. Hollywood currently knows. Uh, my second choice is a little bit weirder. Uh, I think it is time for a comeback. And I think that Margot Robbie would have a fantastic time oh acting God. with this individual. Oh my God, I have, a, I have an idea. I would like say. to see Megan Fox's yes! Poison Ivy. Yes! Yes, 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 I yes. think Megan Fox, as much as I'd like to see Chopra, I think Megan Fox might be sort of like my true choice. Mm-hmm. I, I think she's more realistic, A, and B, she might, she well, she would definitely stick with it for a longer run, too. Yeah. Um, I think that this could be the comeback vehicle for Megan Fox, uh, if that is something she chooses to pursue after being run out of Hollywood um, uh, for lots of terrible reasons. Uh, I really think she could kill this role. Um, she deserves it. It's that, that same thing I'm talking about where she has this sort of, there's this coldness, there's this disinterest, but it's mixed with <laughs> this really body. sort of... That's my point. Exactly. It's also mixed with this very sort of like passionate love that she can also portray. And I would love to see her. Um, actually, the the closest thing I can get is for those New Girl fans out there, uh, her role in New Girl, um, when she came on in order to fill in for Zoe Deschanel when she was out for a bit, essentially, uh, and she was Nick's girlfriend for quite a while on that show is kind of exactly who I'm looking for. She's very cold, and yet still for some reason is like into Nick, uh, who in that show is just a schlep and a, a nobody, and for some reason she's just into it. And that to me is exactly what we need for Poison Ivy Harley Quinn. She's got to be not interested in humans, but for whatever reason, Margot Robbie's annoying, yet enigmatic and charismatic performance is going to win her over. So that's what I want. 
I'm just so happy that we were. I I absolutely promise you that was what I was gonna say for number three. It was in my head. Yep, that's the one. I love this. This is joyful. Great. <laughs> All right, very quickly. What's your um, what's something that's streaming right now slash reasonably accessible that you recommend people watch? Yeah, so I'm gonna recommend this one, and it's gonna sound very strange because every other person on the planet has seen this movie already. So I don't know who I'm recommending it to, but I actually watched it this morning for the first time in my entire life. Uh, it is currently streaming on uh, Cinemax, I believe, or Showtime, which you can all just get through Hulu through free trials or you can just find it. Um, School of Rock with Jack Black. You haven't which seen, I've never seen School of Rock I've never seen today? it. And I know recommending it kind of sounds like I'm like, hey, have you heard about this movie called Star Wars? Um <laughs> I loved that movie and I'd never seen it before. I had vague awareness of it. I don't, th- I think it's impossible not to, if you grew up in our generation, it was just so popular, but it is a really good movie. And the reason I'm recommending it is because on top of just being entertaining and fun, it also had these really interestingly positive messages that it was, it was sort of sneaking in every now and then, especially surrounding the kids. Um, around things like body image uh, and concept of worth in relation to body image. Um, uh, you know, like ideas around uh, uh, self-sufficiency and, and sort of letting kids flourish in their own talent uh, and, and, and in the way they want to be talented. Um, there was just these really interesting messages from what I, as a younger person, what I knew this movie to be was a dumb Jack Black movie. Like that's to me, that's just what I saw in the commercials. That's kind of how it was marketed. That's maybe that's just me. Like maybe maybe that was completely my own interpretation, and thereby I was just hurting myself. But having seen it, it is not. It is like a wonderfully wonderfully sweet film, um, and immediately shot up on my list. I mean, that was a good movie. So. Uh, Joan Cusack is phenomenal in it, and Jack Black is is giving one of his best performances, which is not a new statement. Um, and Sarah Silverman is in it, which I haven't seen her what? in quite a while, okay. and that was a joy. And it was just a lot of fun and a lot of joy. Um, it very much felt like a younger, joyous version of like Dead Poet Society. So, mm. uh, yeah, I was I was all in for that movie. So yeah, you can catch that currently on Hulu with ads or add-ons or whatever they're called both i think it's a no i don't think that's both, a deeply yeah. different you're either not paying <laughs> to suffer or you are paying to not yes. suffer um well that's that's amazing and genuinely i mean i haven't seen that movie since i was mm, 12 maybe younger so i think it's a very solid recommendation to maybe re-watch it as an adult because i didn't know sarah silverman was in that because i didn't know who she was um i love that like that makes me so happy what a great movie um, my pitch, which I'm sure a very solid number of people have seen, it's on Netflix, at least in the UK, but again, like, it's the internet. Um, Spy. Spy, the Paul, Paul Feig movie. Great movie! I think Spy could, like, I haven't, um, put a great effort into, like, writing down my, um, top, top ten movies of all time, but I think that this would make it. Genuinely think that Spy would be in my top ten movies. Um, just, wow. like, I love this movie so much. I just, like... 
keep re-watching it, love every moment about it. I think it's such a fun movie. It's just such a joyful exploration of everything Melissa McCarthy can do. Such an unexpected use of Jude Law. Um, uh, just like <laughs> lovely, really funny dialogue and action. Um, this one Bollywood actress that I really like, um, who's, I mean, again, she's big in Bollywood fairly big in Bollywood, is like randomly in it in like an action scene as like one of the main villains. And like it was the most random thing to like come across in the theaters. Um, very fun movie. Just, I just love every single thing about this movie. All these like little quirks and scenes that I could just go on. Like I would basically talk about this movie by reciting the beginning, the plot beginning to end, and then like going off on tangents about how well every little scene was played. And that would be the way I would talk about this movie. I'd be like, oh, is it fun to hell? And then I would just say the whole thing because I love it so much. Um, <laughs> so anyway, watch this movie. It's great. It's like very, it's like guaranteed laughs. I don't know. Do you, do you like, do you have strong feelings about Spy? I never saw it. It's been on my list You've for a long time, but I've never I'm seen it. I'm having a heart attack right now. No. Um, no, it's on my list. It is, it's just that good. I think it should get more hype. All right. I'll have to check it out. All right, everybody. Well, this was our Birds of Prey episode. Uh, so yeah, let us know what you think, I guess, if you want, you don't have to do that if you don't want, you know, it's, it's, you have free will. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we, we are on the internet on places. Uh, I am on Twitter at, uh, more Eric, more Alice. Mm-hmm. And I'm on Twitter as okay. Shalila, just okay. Well, that is okay. And Shalila, um, you could also just Google, are you still watching? And hopefully that comes up. Yeah, hopefully. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know enough about how the internet works SEO, to know. But, uh, yeah, I don't I... either. Okay, everybody, start googling. Are you? St- Here's your homework. Start googling. Are you still watching? And then only click on our link. And I mean, Google. Are you still watching everything podcast? Because we're probably not going to be on the first yeah. page. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll we'll make it work. It'll rise. Uh, that was an office episode, so I think it'll work here. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a great night.